Hey everybody, it's Brandon. And I'm David. Welcome to Late to the Party, a podcast where we investigate and break down the 1001 albums you must hear before you die. The 2016 edition edited by Robert Dimery. <laughs> Your luck abounds. You get to listen to two desperate 30-somethings cling to some semblance of relevancy. Every week we'll listen to an album from the list and break down why it's worthy of a listen or purchase or pass. This week, we're talking about number 697, A Tribe Called Quest, The Low End Theory. Back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager, you can find the abstract, listen in to hip hop, my pops used Welcome to Welcome to the show, everybody. First off, greetings to our friends and listeners around the world. I see you, Denmark. I see you, Brazil. I see you, Norway. David, how are you? So good to see you. I'm doing fine. You know, this is, for both of us, the, the week of when it all begins, possibly ends with the start of the school year. So <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure where that was going. Yeah, well, it, it, we don't, no one does, apparently. Uh, it, it, it's all a, a hope and a wish and a prayer, which, you know, to when things Cue like this, bon Jovi. yeah, when things like this are beyond my control, I tend to not get stressed at all. So I'm in a weird, like, that's good, rolling with it kind of, kind of place. How about you? Nice. Uh, I'm doing good. I bought some new pants. <laughs> Like, no, J-, J. Crew was basically giving shit away. Seriously, I got six dollar chinos. They're usually like sixty dollar chinos. So. Do, they, do they still honor the uh, teacher discount? Not for a very long time. Really? I don't think so. I think I tried a couple of years ago, and they're like, no, it's like fifteen percent, man. That's like the one. Well, place. It used to be, yeah. But now like, they're kind of sort of going bankrupt, and so we've just been buying all their stuff for cheap. It probably doesn't help that they're selling their stuff for cheap, but. You know, if you want to sponsor us, J. Crew, J. Crew, your last gasp. Half my wardrobe is J. Crew because of the teacher discount. So you know. Oh damn! Sorry about that. What have you been listening to lately? Uh, well, since I'm in teacher planning mode, I love listening to soundtracks. Mm. And I, I have a bunch on vinyl, like almost too much, and also random stuff. So. I am currently listening to, which I, it's never gets old. This is funny, is the Uncharted 4 soundtrack, which is a video game oh on the PlayStation. And I, yes, I do own it on vinyl. I, it is, I'm telling you, fantastic. Because soundtracks on video games are not like, you know, 8-bit, like beep, beep, boop, bop, ba, da, bop. It's like orchestral. What the hell is that? that? Like, I don't know, Mario? Like, that would be a oh, okay. right, soundtrack fair. to listen to. Yes. Or like, you know, now it's like full orchestras. Like, it sounds like it's movie soundtracks, right? So, yeah. um, Henry Jackman, who I think does some films, does, a great name. does the, I know, <laughs> uh, he does the Uncharted ones. And uh, it's like a toned down, kind of a little more serious uh, Indiana Jones kind of thing. So it's like, you know, triumphant, but also serious. So it's like perfect for listening to while, um, while coming up. Marching with, off into war. Yeah. Well, also like, you know, coming up with lesson plans. There's no words. Oh, it's just yeah. kind of, you know, so I'm a big fan of, of soundtracks. How about you? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Rolling Stones have been releasing random tracks lately that have been associated with uh, Goathead, Goathead Soup, which came out in 73, 74. It's, like, it's got Angie on it. Yeah, yeah, good song. But they released a track that they had done with Jimmy Page from that era called Scarlet. The track itself is fine. It sounds, you know, 
like a Rolling Stones song, but then the War on Drugs, who we both love, did a remix of that song. And it sounds, it sounds so much better than the original track. Well, that's probably <laughs> that why they didn't release it for 50 years, because they're just like... Yeah, it's just like a junk track, you know? Which, yeah. like, which is good, better than most other fans of that era's junk stuff, but... It's like a nostalgic golden turd. Yeah. Words I didn't imagine being in the same sentence earlier this morning, but sure. Welcome. Uh, I've also been listening to the Broken Record podcast. Uh, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Their episode on Tom Petty's Wildflowers, which is how they cap season one, is fabulous. Highly recommended. Um, I listen to that on and off when I know the person that there's, you know, I love podcasts, obviously, since we're here making them. So, yeah, I, I do that a lot when I'm, like, walking the dog. I don't allow myself to think, I guess. I just, like, need to fill it with people talking. So, yeah. um, because, you know, you're by yourself and in silence and you have to, like, think about your life. And um, <laughs> We don't need the existential yeah, dread just honestly, pouring you know, in. We don't need that. Yeah, sure. I know you're excited about today's episode. I right? am. you're obsessed and, with this album. And I am. And, and, and not by any, like, I'm an expert on this album or this group or anything. I just, this album means a lot to me in, a, in terms of like my music appreciation and my music and my music history knowledge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, should we take a quick break, listen to a little tracks? That's our new feature here. We can listen to some tracks. Um, and, Teeny, then we'll, track. <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about the, the history of this context. Nineteen eighty-eight senior year at Garby High. Well, all the guys were corny, but the girls were mad fly. Lounging with the tipster. Welcome back, everybody. You were just listening to a little snippet of Butter by a tribe called Quest. That song in particular, we know this album deals with a lot of samples. We know this sort of genre progressing in terms of the way it dealt with sampling on on hip-hop records that particular song butter samples gary bartz's gentle smiles it also samples a song called young and fine by a group called the weather report the weather report has a saxophonist uh, whose name is wayne shorter who was in a band with ron carter uh and herbie hancock pianist uh his best friend wayne shorter and they were in the same band as miles davis and miles davis's second great quintet uh, that's important because the basis for the second great quintet is Ron Carter, and he is featured on the album The Low End Theory. Welcome back to <laughs> Late to the Party. With also, potentially, maybe we're like also tapping into that true crime uh, audience because I feel like you have to have one of those pin boards with the red going to <laughs> yes. make all the connections, and Ron Carter's in the middle of all of this. The uh, point is, nothing that they did on this album was unintentional. Everything had a purpose. But before we get into that, David and I like to share sort of how we personally come to these pieces. Uh, and I thought I'd start just by talking about a sort of complicated relationship that I have with hip hop. The issue is that as a person who appreciates language, I can't help but love and appreciate hip hop. The depth of, of the writing, as far as musicality goes, there's a sense of rhythm and timing that hip hop artists have as producers, as, as rappers themselves, that I think is unmatched. I also appreciate the way they spotlight issues that deserve justice and attention. But I think it's hard for us to sometimes ignore the misogyny and homophobia that runs as a kind of undercurrent in a lot of this music. And in fact, we'll, I'll maybe mention that a bit later 
in terms of the song scenario and the inclusion of Buster Rhymes. But so I have a hard time giving a full level of appreciation or not appreciation, but affection to hip hop because like so many other genres, it's, it's got this sort of dark underbelly that precludes me from loving it as much as I could, you know? Yeah. I don't, what, what thoughts do you have? Well, I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because it's, it's still a thing that you're seeing artists, especially like what I'm thinking of off the, of like Jay-Z, right? Early Jay-Z is, and diff so much different. Like he was pretty much just from, from my knowledge of Jay-Z, yeah, a lot of homophobic language and misogyny throughout his early mm -hmm. albums. And then mm -hmm. his more recent, like, you know, I mean, maybe it helps, um, you know, still being, I guess, around and relevant and marrying Beyonce and having to actually care about <laughs> human beings other than himself, that he starts yeah. to be more socially conscious with his, with his writing <coughs> in order to like even stay relevant to, to people to even accept more of that. Cause that old Jay-Z wouldn't fly no. in 2020, uh, rightly so. So yeah, my personal history with rap is I, I never listened to it ever when I was a kid. Uh, Midwesterner listening to 90s grunge and anything on 105.7 The Point alternative rock. So the only rap that I consumed was like Will Smith, like not even Fresh Prince, like Will Smith, like the Big Willie style. The actual artist was, known as Will Smith. Yes, actually, yeah. Uh, um, the adult man. And that's like the safest rap that's out there, right? I Everybody guess. Safe, it's just like, it's so Disney Channel kind of so much of that. It's, I don't know. And it's for whatever also was on the radio I was listening to. So in St. Louis, obviously we had Nelly and I liked Nelly because you're supposed to like Nelly because you're from St. Louis. And, and I think that carries um, to this day. There's a fidelity oh my gosh, yeah. Nelly that I am often surprised by. And everyone always talks about like they're like, you know three degrees of separation from Nelly you know there's always like oh I, and everyone seems to know somebody that is somehow related to him I, it's always a conversation it's so funny so like that in like 50 cent right yeah when I was growing up so I didn't really I never really was for it also I was like I didn't understand how rap was made so I thought wait a minute I don't see how you can be considered talented if you don't even play instruments. Cause that's mm, where my head was. I'm like, yeah. instruments was huge. And then I saw things Then I remember seeing like BC boys and SNL and they're playing instruments. I'm like, wait a minute, what? And my whole, I was like, what? what's happening? They're so, not supposed to be <laughs> so then does that mean that you, you also lacked respect for vocalists? So if, if, like, let's say a, a Sarah, well, Sarah Bond played piano, but jazz vocalist, someone like Ella Fitzgerald, who, whose voice was their instrument. She didn't play the drums or anything else. She mimicked other sounds, but she didn't play any instruments. So I wonder if you applied that same evaluation I, to honestly, singers. Honestly, yeah, I think I was really just really obsessed with the band, the guitar oh. playing and how a band played instruments together. I think that's where I was obsessed with, because that was also an area where I, had no, I didn't know anything about. Like I didn't play any instruments, right? So all of that was just like, oh, like I didn't understand what it took to be a good singer i was like oh you just you sing yeah you know I, it wasn't something as all my like, all right jimmy hendrix and classic rock and i'm gonna listen to that and understand like that's where i thought i was being such a like musically aware and that's where my in terms of like going through musical history that's where i went to gotcha was 60s and 70s and also saying things like the beatles were overrated and all, thinking led zeppelin was superior because this is you know i was like i was all about i was all about so misguided yeah i know heavy heavy hands was, 
you know, because the, the idea of being pretentious starts early, right? You have to shit on somebody else's love and whatever is popular and say something, even though like Bud Zeppelin was equally as... <laughs> what we're saying here is that pretension is just a mask for insecurity. Exactly. Uh, and we're probably feeding exactly. into that. So David, pull, pull <laughs> us into pull us into this album before I become Brene Brown. Sure. Um, and tell us, give us a sense of what we need to understand before we start talking about particular tracks. Okay, so in terms of this album specifically, also the, this album to me was probably the first album where I started to understand all, started how complex hip hop is right. in terms of putting together an album. It's not just writing things that rhyme and putting on a track. Like just the idea of sampling was something I really didn't know what that was. I thought it was just straight up playing someone else's break on repeat yeah. and then rapping over it. Which it, I didn't which it was I didn't get at one it. point, and, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it, but they were also like, you know, 30 minute songs because it wasn't something that was supposed to be commercially viable. Right. Um, it was supposed to be uh, kind of a community group gathering kind of thing. Um, so in terms of this group, Tribe Called Quest, this is their second studio album, 1991. They had a previous, uh, this is a follow-up to their previous really big album, uh, uh, previous uh, People's Instinctive Travels of, and the Paths of Rhythm from 1990. Uh, and this is a group of like middle school, elementary school, like uh, just kids that were friends that kind of got together in Queens and um, loved doing this, right? It, it, this is, I guess this is also part of what I love about rap is that it seemed like you could just do this. Yes. It, you didn't have to have any training. Possible. You didn't have to have, yeah, you didn't have to have any training. You didn't have to have any really wealth or anything to kind of buy instruments. You can kind of just use what you had. So it became one of the most innovative uh, genres of music for me. And this is why people talk that. about hip hop as a kind of cousin or companion to punk music, right? Because it's, it's DIY. Yeah. There's, there's a difference in the artistry, I think, in the approach, but the sense of it being accessible to you simply because you're tapped into this source of, of inspiration, I think it shares that quality with also being anti-authoritarian and speaking to social ills and things like that. But there's a punkish quality to hip hop, I think, that people sometimes forget about. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and 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 how that is still a part of what, like the mixtape, you know, when right. that gets released, like it's just unbelievable the amount of ingenuity that goes on into this. It's also why Ice T can be a part of a heavy metal band, and that makes total sense, right? <laughs> and do it with complete conviction and total authenticity, because we're talking about like similar themes and and approaches to modern or I would say mainstream society right or some sort of principles of mainstream society anyway sure so and then they come out of this there was a collective they called the, Na the Native Tongues Collective which was a group of young hip-hop uh, rappers and, and, and thinkers that they kind of all kind of saw they were all kind of trying to do the same thing very af uh, afrocentric very uh, uplifting um, and also kind of looking out for each other where they kind of got together and discussed things and created things together. So you'll see a lot of overlap in terms of who's on the album, each other's albums, like De La Soul was a really big one. Queen Latifah, this is like her heyday, right? Right, this is the rise um, of Queen Latifah. Pre-living yeah. single. 
<laughs> which I love. I love that show. It is, no, that is a solid show. I haven't seen that in a very long time, but I definitely watched it. It was on like Sunday mornings or something, right? If you want an alternative to Friends, you know, where culture was actually uplifted, you might look at Living Single. I don't Anywho. So, yeah, and they came out with this album that, honestly, if, if you listen to it, it's so different. Their first album, People's, People's Travels, um, is so different than this album, uh, which in terms of what, what else is coming out here, in terms of timeline, big, big albums around this time, or big groups, Brandon? You're asking me? Yeah, well, what are some big groups? <clears throat> well, we've already had the sort of first wave of, you're asking me, yeah, you're the other person on the podcast. Uh, in terms of the, the first wave of hip hop, we've had the day of Grandmaster Flash, we've had uh, the first pass of NWA and Dr. Dre is already on the scene, but I would still say it's still, it's fair that we're in the nascent stages of hip hop. We haven't quite gotten to the release of Nas's magnum opus Illmatic in 1994. We haven't gotten to Snoop Dogg. Wu-Tang. We haven't gotten to, Wu-Tang's debut happens in 93. Is that right? Yeah, 92, 93. Yeah. yeah. So we have, a, we have a group here in, <clears throat> in Tribe Called Quest that's very much on the ground floor of trying to help hip-hop define itself as you move into the 90s. What I think is really interesting about that band in particular is that if you look at American music, as a kind of family tree, like uniquely American music. At the top of that tree, you have resistance songs that are sung by enslaved people in the fields, right? That becomes gospel. Gospel gives birth to twins of blues and jazz. Blues and jazz give you just about every permutation of popular music after that. So you get R&B, folk, pop, rock, and finally hip hop. But we don't really get that lineage. That lineage is often ignored. It's not really cultivated. Low End Theory, this album, it strives to acknowledge those origins and also press that form. So it, like, it's like, what does jazz look like decades later when you pair with hip hop sensibilities? Like that's what this album is. And that all happens before you have Snoop Dogg's Dog Pound or before or Dr. Dre is supposedly inspired by the Low End Theory before he releases The Chronic, which is the other massive album. But that kicks off an entirely different generation of albums that has nothing to do with this album. Sure, and this and album also, this also, if you listen to pre this album, Rap is, it's really, it's like high and like, there's lots of symbols and right. high clicks and stuff. You know, I don't know how to pronounce, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's like, it's like lighter sounding. Yes. Um, and then this is when you think of when people say like, all right, I'm going to listen to some rap in my, in my car. You're like, oh man, you think bass immediately, yeah. right? That's, that's what you, that's what you think is that's what's going to be making that's the beat, right? Is 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 it's bass forward, and this was like kind of the first album to do that, where people are like, "Holy crap, this is amazing! Let's do more of this." And right. you see so more of this um, throughout. So uh, it was very, very different. And this was like a a band that had a lot of hype around them, right? Because right. their first album was was I think they had like a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar advance for their first album, which is which like is a, it's insane. It's you know. Um, and so they already had a lot of hype before they even made their album. And this album comes out roughly a year later. Um, and if we just quickly, the, the lineup here, yeah, you would give it to us. Group. So we have Q-Tip and, and then we have Fife Dog and, uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad is also 
featuring on this, but who's absent notably is Jerobi from the first album. Uh, Who needs him? Like, well, he, I think that seemed like Q-Tip needed him. Like he's like a good guy. Like he's like oh. their whoops. He's like such a friend. You know what I mean? Like they really loved him. And he said, "I want to. I want to go to culinary school." And that's amazing. They're like, they're like, "Really?" He's like, "Man, it's my dream. I want to go to culinary school, and that's what I want. I want to be a chef." And they're like, "All right, man." It's like the basketball player in High School Musical who bakes. <laughs> Obviously, you know, because that's the cultural reference point that everybody understands and appreciates. Yeah, actually, I think you have to refer to like High School Musical like seven now for anybody to understand what you're talking about. Right? Well, there's a difference between the movies that were released in the first run and High School Musical, the musical, the series, which was on Disney for exactly one season. Maybe oh two. Actually, maybe there were two. That's a f- anyway. Back to the show, folks. So anyway, so it's it's this is the album where if you would um, if you would characterize kind of this is like the rise of Fife Dog. This is where he's on so many tracks because before he was like eighteen and he's like, no, I just want to run around and, and hang out. I want to run and, around. And, uh, seriously, that's what, he, that's what he says. He wants to run around, hang out with girls. He's a fifties teeny bopper. I want to run around. Seriously, I'm gonna run around. I'm gonna cruise in my Thunderbird. And he and Chuck Berry, yeah. Okay. So he, he, Q-Tip is like, no, dude, like, you have to come to the studio. Like, please come to the studio. Come to the studio. Come to the studio. Gotcha. We're making this record. And he's like, all right, fine. That's when he finally started taking it seriously. And um, he became, like, those two together, I think, are such a great duo that it is really, really evident on this one more than I think any of the ones personally, any of the albums after this or before this. I should have in my research listened to the previous album. Um, it's well we'll get into that in terms of hot takes too okay. best albums they did oh but okay. uh q-tip is calls himself the abstract right yeah so he's more abstract he's more philosophical he's more big idea kind of guy and, and fight dog is the is the more down-to-earth funny um clever witty i mean they both are but he's like the he kind of like self-deprecating and it's a it's a more braggadocious charisma yeah, man. but it's also like lovable, especially if you watch yeah. those videos. You're like, man, it's he's true. so he's so cool. And so having those two kind of on more on equal standing makes that the back and forth so um, compelling. Compelling, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so they were huge friends, and I don't want to get too much into the major history of their group, but uh, they it's basically like they realized that, that, and then uh. Ali did, um, he's like the DJ, right? Which also, you should listen to his new stuff where he's just doing jazz. It's called Jazz is Dead. He has like a several volume really? series. Yeah, no, it's good. He's good. Wow. Um, so you should, yeah, I know. That was part of my research. Uh, anyway, so if you, this is also one of the albums that kind of created a, a big idea of what conscious rap can be um and what it is and what it's for right and they and they kind of say that in the in the opening tracks yeah uh throughout is that we're trying to uplift we're trying to it's supposed to be like positive vibes right and then you have well go ahead, you have something to say no i was yeah. just i was just gonna say i agreeing with you i was nerding out about the inclusion of the bassist ron carter but one of the main stipulation for him being included was that they not swear on the album and i don't know if they completely held to that but they had a meeting with him and, and they were very clear about saying our standards are such that we think you can be proud of what we're doing. Here's why we want you on the album, your linkage to the jazz world, to older themes that we think need to be brought into the 90s. 
they were clear about having those expectations for themselves. So I just sort of to your point. Well, which is such an interesting thing too, because hip hop is all about sampling from them and just right. taking, and it was before like, you know, stricter copyright of usage, you know, usage. Just do of, it. Which I, right. Which I think like De La Soul got hammered pretty hard with. Right. Yeah. Um, where they weren't making any money off their albums because they, they owed everybody. <laughs> right. But also, yeah, no, there isn't. If you, there's a couple points when you listen to this album and you're like, wait, do I have a censored version of this? It's because yeah, those, those curse words are, they still say them, but it's, it's like uh, silenced. And I don't want to be, the, I don't want this to be the episode like last episode where we bash the black keys. But if you look at the way they approach language usage or avoidance and the way that Will Smith uses or avoids language, I think Will Smith is talented. He's multi-talented. I don't think he's the greatest mm -hmm. rapper of all time. And I think that it's just, a, it's a different approach to artistry when we talk about sensitive use of language versus censorship, I guess. I almost feel like sometimes Will Smith is censoring himself, whereas they were just doing something differently. Maybe that's there a was take. a Sure. Oh, I love it. There was a conscious de conscious decision. There was a lot, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the main tenets of this album, make, going into it. Yeah. Whereas I feel um, like sometimes Will Smith is playing respectability politics, but that's just me. Nin I mean, oh 90s God, Will right? Smith. 90s Will Smith. I love like going through the list of Will Smith of like all the, all of the roles he didn't take because of X, Y, and Z Because of his reasons, brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. And because I, back in, early 2000s he was all often branded as like the last great or the last quote-unquote movie star oh yeah because the 90s answer because to people Grant. would go to people would go to whatever he was in it was just like his name and so in, he's like hyper choosy over everything he was in remember like it was like he was like the first pick for Django yeah and there's nothing and, wrong with that I just think that sometimes I Maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like he took a holier-than-thou approach to it and sort of yeah. demonized other people who weren't doing it his way. And it's like, well, okay. You don't get to be on the right, when Right. No, those you don't have power anymore. <laughs> All that's over. Yeah, exactly. You it, can be dumped for a YouTube star in a hot minute. Jeez. Yikes. So harsh. Perhaps we should take a break. And when we come <laughs> back, we'll start talking about faves and least faves and all that jazz. Awesome. Jazz, nice. Ain't Latifah. Yeah. All right. Just, uh, you just heard a section of probably, I guess, their biggest hit from this album, Check the Rhyme. Just a pretty fun music. Not my favorite well. song on the album. Well, you know, we're doing faves here first, all right? <laughs> not your least faves. You're out of the gate a little hot. Not my so, least fave either. So I included this. We're going to do a couple different things for this section. We're going to, because of this, there's so much in this album that fave, least fave tracks, but we're also going to do uh, samples and favorite samples, not least favorite samples. That, no, <laughs> that doesn't uh, and really matter favorite, at all. Yeah, even your favorite line too, uh, because there's just so much to get into. So uh, I had Check the Rhyme as my favorite sample. Why, David? Uh, well, honestly. Favorite sample or favorite song? 
favorite sample i have oh, okay. them separately i know because oh, i love okay. so many songs on this album that it, i decided this is how i get to say that i love all of them <laughs> so check the rhyme has a couple songs like uh, uh the 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 opening bit of what you just heard the opening bit of it the, the section is from baby this love i have by Minnie ripperton so that's from 1975, which a lot of these, which is awesome, is a lot of these, they just took the, they took records that their parents had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. their parents had, and were like, oh, these are some awesome songs. Um, but they sped it up, I think, probably at least twice as fast. So it sounds totally different when it's sped up um, for that. And then also has uh, something from the Average White Band, 1976. They took the guitar from that, The Love of Your Life. And then, which is probably my favorite sample on this track is from the Grover Washington Jr. album uh, Hydra. Yes. Uh, the album feels so good, which is something like honestly going back and like now being able to name it is something I want to own. Uh, also, can we just say, I don't know. First of all, I don't really know anything about the average white band. I, I couldn't really give you a song. Are they the people that sang, we're an American band? Are they, is that them? I feel like oh, that's not them. I don't know. I'm looking them up right now. The average white they're a scottish funk and r&b band <laughs> that had a series all of soul and disco hits between 74 and they had a pick pick up the pieces nope what yeah. i was gonna say is that it's just it seems like the high mark of white privilege that a band could name itself average white band and then gain some modicum of success well soul and funk music there I'm is just saying. Well, from the, the the picture on, and this is the 2013 picture of the average white band on Wikipedia. The there touring are band. two two black members, the drum and a and a vocalist. It looks to be so. So the rhythm and the, the passion are all maintained by black musicians, uh, as you were, yeah. David. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. So anyway, <laughs> that was my that's my favorite sample. Um, did you have what was your favorite sample brand uh, so my favorite song and favorite sample uh, are, are the same one and the same so favorite sample is a chant for boo which is a song by Art Blakey who's a jazz drummer his band the jazz messengers and it's sampled on the opening track excursions it, not much to say about it except that I can't get over the opening Baseline and it's played by a, a man whose name is luckily enough Mickey Bass or Mickey Bass. I hope it's again. Mickey what Bass. is this? With I hope uh, it's Mickey Bass. What's it? I hope it. Bobby yeah. Keys. Bobby Keys. Bobby Keys plays saxophone though. He didn't play piano. Well, yeah, he's probably but, trying. But that to song. It. Do you know? Do you know Sonny Rollins, the uh, saxophonist? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay, so Sonny Rollins is a saxophonist who is known. He's been around forever, but his one of his landmark albums is called Saxophone Colossus. And the, the opening song on Saxophone Colossus, I, I think it's on our list. It's called St. Thomas. The opening of St. Thomas reminds me of the opening of A Chant for Boo slash Excursions. And so even though I feel like it's a cop-out, I acknowledge that because first songs, they grab your emotional attention. There's no song on that album that I love more than that song. There's no song I've heard more often since I've been listening to this album than Excursions. I just love it so much. Um, uh, so yeah, they're one and the same. I, I love this. This is it. This is also, they're sampling heavily. I mean, they have disco samples, which hip hop does a ton of. When that's what I think is often why the sound is what the sound is in the 80s of if hip hop is because it's so much disco. And this is pulling a lot of jazz, right? Yeah. Um, which 
is my that's I, I love it. So anyway, my favorite song is what? What? Um, it's just Why? I I just love it. It's like it's like seemingly simple, but also I love that the fact that they're like, huh, what is like these questions are just like kind of silly funs like what uh I'm blinking now because I forgot to write that in my notes. Are there references to the US postal but, system? Uh US Postal Service, I should say. I, I believe there are, yes. Um like what's the postal service about sorting machines? Go vote, people. <laughs> so, I do believe it's something like that. I'll look it up. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that in 1991, Q tip was prescient this. enough to know that someone was going to try to defund the US Postal Service right before the most important election of our generation. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm a disruptor I, I, today. That's what I, I well you, you should do that. That's that's <laughs> you're you're the Q tip to the to my fife dog, I guess. Oh David. Um, yeah, you know. It's the nicest thing you've said to me today. <laughs> so I think it's just, I think it's the most fun song. I, I think it's the most different sample usage. It just seems like, I don't know. Uh, it seems funny. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I dig that track. So the, the issue I had with finding favorites and least favorites is it wasn't so much that there, there weren't good songs. It was, I liked so many of them that it was harder for me to, to mm -hmm. sort of parse out which one was, was pulling me in more. It was not an an easy thing to even identify a least favorite, which is I think is why I sneakily decided uh, suggested we break it up into samples. You and lines little and songs. So what is so we your uh, the first track is your favorite track. But what is yeah. your favorite and your favorite sample? So what is your favorite line? Favorite line is actually not from Excursions. Uh, it's from Check the Rhyme, and it's honestly it's just because I've been hearing it. I've been hearing that line before I knew that I was hearing it from Tribe Called Quest. And it's industry rule of 4,080 record company. People are shady. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. It's true. I find it interesting that I, I find it interesting. I respect artists who are willing to speak truth to power, even if that's the power that is paying for the recording of the album. I on love which you are that. saying the line, right? I like, love screw that. Screw you. You know it. I know it. Now, please pay me in advance for this thing that I'm going to use to trash you a little bit. Also, don't you see that? I feel like that's a very, it's a hallmark almost of, of hip hop. Like I don't do that. Does that happen in any other genre where they like just shit talk the people that are fronting the production? Well, Neil Young made a rockabilly album because David Geffen asked him for, he said, it's your contract in the eighties. Your contract is asking for a rock album. We expect you to make a rock album. So he made a rockabilly album that he knew no one in the mid 1980s would want to listen to as a big middle finger to his record company. Sure. It's this passive, they, they do passive aggressive <laughs> shit. Like uh, right. Van Morrison had a, had a contract album, right? Which is just him basically strumming random chords on a guitar and then like moaning. <laughs> Have you heard it? It's no. crazy. They did a really good episode on it. On, but in on terms of albums. direct criticism, that's not even embedded in the lyrics, but contained in the lyrics. No, I, I don't think that other genres do it the way that rap music does it or the way that hip hop does it. I don't think no. so. No. Um, that's funny. And then. So your also, favorite like, line? Oh, that, oh, that's, well, that's, that's a line that's referenced throughout and used. Like people know what Rule 4080 is. Right. The song. Outside yeah. of the, hip, the world of hip hop, right. too. Right. Uh, mine's from Verses of the, from the Abstract, so Q Tip, mm, uh, yes. which I love that. I love that. 
I love how that also comes right after butter, which is just a five dog vehicle. Um, <laughs> and butter's so good. And butter's so good. But this one is, it's uh, the, my favorite line is the world is kind of cold and the rhythm is my blanket. Wrap yourself up in it. If you love it, then you'll thank it. <laughs> I love great. it. I love it. It's so nice. <laughs> um, so that's my favorite line for verses from the abstract. Um, so we should probably take a, another little break. For some reason, sorry, I blanked out. I was thinking of Dr. Dre, which is not a thing I often think about, but I was listening to the radio on the way to work uh, a couple days ago, and Dre's infamous line, never let me slip, because if I slip, then I'm slipping, was on. And I don't, it spoke to me in a way that it's never spoken to me before, maybe because I was about to do a, a temperature check to make sure I didn't have the coronavirus before I went into yeah. work. But that's a story for a different day. We'll be back folks, with more. Excuse me if I'm chilling. Hey, what say what? What's a fat man without food in his gut? What's a childbirth without the umbilical? What's United Parcels without the deliverer? What's Mama Son without Papa Son? What's martial arts without Dina Son? What's Rashi without Tanya Tamika? What's Orange Juice or Dougie Doug without Shaniqua? Nada, 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 not a damn thing. What's Duke Ellington without that swing? What's Alex Haley if it doesn't have roots? What's a weekend if you ain't knocking? Boots. What's a black nation without black unity? What is a child who Welcome doesn't back. And before we uh, get into our MVPs and all that kind of stuff, we probably should talk about our least favorite, which we neglected uh, in the in the previous segment where we said we would do that. Um, <laughs> hey, do you think we'll get to a point in this show where there, there's an album that we both love so much that there's not even the necessity for least favorite? Like they are all well, just so think- sparkling. I think that's what it makes it fun to say least favorite. Like if you could, if you, cause all these albums are supposed to be the ones you can, you have to hear before you die. Oh yeah. And then the harder and harder it is to make a decision. It's like kill your darlings, right? So maybe it's, um, maybe it's not about taking away the least favorite category. It's about adding a, what the fuck was that song category? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway. So my, uh, did you want to go first or want me to go first? No, you go. It's fine. All right. My least favorite is um everything is fair uh, yeah really yeah why i think i don't know i don't find it doesn't look, really it. yeah huh? it's still good i don't love it I, it's good it's a really good song it's just not my favorite of the album this okay. is kind of this is kind of where it, where it's at um you're splitting hairs at this point i know right um so well, let's go to you. What are you, what are you anticipating? <laughs> what are you anticipating? Oh, I'm anticipating nothing. Oh, I just, okay. I, I just, you know, I want to hear your least favorite. Okay, so my least favorite song, I'll, I'll start by saying it's not even the song's fault. My, my least favorite song is Scenario. And it, again, I owe that mostly to the presence of Buster Rhymes, who at points has been publicly and proudly homophobic, not only in his lyrics, in his music, but also in his interactions with people on the street or in restaurants. And I know he's not the only one. I know that we all have artist blind spots and there are people that we listen to who we just decide we're going to not forgive, but whose past actions or behaviors we're going to ignore. I get that. But he in particular has represented for me the embodiment of so many twisted straight masculine straights that terrorize us on a daily basis. Mm. That I have a hard time getting through that song, even the parts that don't involve him, and feeling okay about it. 
and, and honestly, it takes me to a different place. And that different place is a larger conflict about that tired but necessary debate on whether we can separate artists from the shittiness of their personal character. Right. Know? And and how often that's something that we can we seem to seemingly pick and choose whether or not we like their art. We that do, much. and I'm guilty of that. <coughs> Kanye West. <And> I'm like, <laughs> totally guilty of that. But, but it's it brings up questions I don't want to I don't want to answer like can I still like this album and of course I'd like to say yes you know but that's a that's a pretty blatant selfish motivation so the question that someone like David Foster Wallace would ask is you know like can we actually separate someone's an artist's personal failings from their professional contributions or is that really just us trying to center our own entertainment and ignore these like less inconvenient truths you know like, sure. is it possible to do that? Sure. I don't know. And, and we're also in the time of, of cancel culture, right? Where we look at that, someone's, whatever they've done in the past, and then judge them now accordingly and decide whether or not that they need to be relevant in our culture now. Yeah. Um, which is a constant debate. Um, and also, I think, I think what saves, not saves, what, what, allows us to be able to continue to enjoy artists with various transgressions is kind of a um, euphemism. Abusive behavior. Yes, abusive, thank you, Brandon. Abusive behavior and seeing how they've changed. Cause you know, since then, have they, are they, have they been redeemed? Apologetic. Have they, yeah, have they done something where they've changed or their undergone behavior and, and spoken? Yeah. Yes. Has I there guess, been that, yeah. like, if, if that has happened, then... Is there space? Is there space? And then yeah. can you look at this as, like, yeah, like, I, yeah, when I, was, I, I can enjoy parts of this song, but I can also, right. like, that is, you can't remove that. You can't enjoy, you can't listen to a song and not think about that, right? So that, that makes it sure. a completely unenjoyable song to listen to. But there is a different, but does that necessarily take away its importance or? I don't, I don't know. And also this is like the track that started his career. Right. Which is why it bothers me so much because this is a launch point that gives him more space and more attention and elevates him. Whereas I, I think that could have been otherwise avoided or should have been otherwise avoided. And, you know, and in the same breath, I'm quoting or paraphrasing David Foster Wallace, who was more than likely a sexual predator. So, like, what the fuck do I know? You know, I'm just asking questions. Right. And he was also, have you, have you read that? No, you haven't, right? The yes. Signifying Rappers that he wrote with Mark Costello. No, I haven't read about that. About 1990, 1989, he wrote, um, which is a lot of essays by two white dudes that went about. to Harvard about hip-hop the about hip-hop <laughs> so yeah it's a it's, bad look yeah which they do acknowledge frequently that this is but they also acknowledge it like that's also kind of what's so great about this genre is that it's not for him oh it's okay like, well it's, that's it's, something it's intentionally it's intentionally inclusive and exclusive that it and <laughs> that would, is something, he would love that something is, like that yeah right and that is something that is what anchors the white conservatives, right? Is it like, I don't understand. Like, ah, this is such noise. You know, it's right. like, it's because it, it's literally not for you. Right. And I don't, I don't mean to take us off on a totally sure. separate tangent, but I do think that it's a question that we'll have to, you and I on this podcast, we'll have to revisit 
every time this comes up because unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, so we can have this dialogue, the list that we are pulling from is littered with examples of people who have been renowned for their professional artistry and their achievements because they are incredible artists with immense talent and they're also awful human beings. Right. Right. The first album on the list is Frank Sinatra's in the wee, album, wee Hours in the Morning. And Frank Sinatra, among you know, other things, was an abusive alcoholic who had an insecurity complex. You know, we have to grapple with those things. Right. And also like an outward racist, especially towards, you know, yeah. like Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> who was right. Yeah. Part, so, you know, I, friends. Um, but I, I've often drunkenly sang Frank Sinatra at karaoke. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's Lee's faves. <laughs> Should we keep moving? <laughs> yeah, no, what's your, yeah. What's your least fave? It was just, uh, uh, it was everything is fair, right? Yeah. I just, okay. you know, that's one when it comes on, I'm like, I don't want to hear this song. Okay. That, that's it. I, I like, I don't like the entry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best, to best time to listen uh i find this album to be something where it is an all occasions kind of album like i i love listening to it like today with the car with in the car with the windows down just like it's a warm day it's nice driving around there's so many fun songs about just it reminds me of summertime yes i wrote um, down summertime yeah and that's 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 a great album i also just like you can have it on in the background and not be distracted by it, but also it's the, the because of the low end on all of the tracks that that is such a nice rhythm to have throughout when you're doing work or yes. just wanting to chill. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I wrote down porch or patio, friends, bourbon, summertime. That's that's what Perfect. I wrote down. I love that picture there. I love that painted picture, and yeah. you can easily choose you know, six tracks and put it on uh, your playlist. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would get sick of it. I think if you put six tracks from Kid A on your playlist, I think people would be like, what the fuck? But, Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, unless it's Tree Fingers and it can just be Tree Fingers on repeat. Guess it's time to go. <laughs> uh, would you own it on vinyl? Uh, funnily enough, my my wife bought me the uh, uh the single of check the rhyme on vinyl yeah. like years ago she didn't remember she is pretty sure she didn't buy it but i know she bought it for me she gave it to me as a birthday gift but uh it's just check the rhyme six different ways so i listened to it just for this and i'm like oh my god it's still going it's another one <laughs> oh, side one is just three versions side two is and also has sky pager on there too but like you have to get through like you know so that song is it's still good. I still like it. The, it still gets stuck in your head in a, in a positive way. Would I own this? Yes, eventually. It's $35 right now. So I didn't, I didn't uh, when I was trying to economically spend my gift card, Yeah, I, I, did, I took it off. Do it. I was going to buy it because um, I think it would sound awesome. On it. And also, like, all the samples are from records, but um, I'm forgetting the producer's name. Power? Ron Power? Yeah. He cleaned those records like so perfectly that there is no crackle from dust on any of it. And he listened to like a, a lot of other tribe records too. Like the, you could hear the crack, which is part of early hip hop too. And yeah. people even put that crackle on their songs now to get that feel, but it is like so crisp. So like hearing that I think would be really nice. Nice. Um, I, if someone buys it for me, like that's, that's my new, would you want it on vinyl? I would own it on vinyl, sure if someone else buys it for me. I do like it, I do like it. 
But do I need it? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I need it. You I know? would love to. I would love to find an album where if some like we we cover where if someone gave it to you, you would out outrightly reject it. <laughs> I have no thank you. I have several George Benson albums in my basement because Valerie Stroll gave them to me as a gag gift, but I didn't know it was a gag gift until I saw the oh. David Bowie Station to Station album. Speaking of artists, that we're gonna have a hard time talking about. Uh, mm. I didn't know that there was a David Bowie album in, in the mix, but there are like five to seven different George Benson live and studio albums in my basement because why would I need that? So that's anyway. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, what's David, your, your, yeah, go ahead. What's your MVP? Uh, who I already, I already have a guess. You don't have a guess. Like, you know who it is. I know, but I did guess previously did guess. Off, guess. like the other day because right. knowing, so, knowing who Brandon is. <laughs> And knowing, I just knew who he would say, but you please. You so please. assuming that we can't choose Q-Tip or Fife Dog, because I would have chosen Q-Tip. Uh, you know, here's, okay, here's my, my argument for Q-Tip, the producer. Mm -hmm. his, his approach to production of a hip-hop album in 1991, especially in light of what the first album looked like, it's so exotic. In, in the early 1990s. It's so different. And it's completely unfamiliar in today's hip hop landscape, I think, as well. The last time I heard a sound that looked even, that seemed even remotely like something from Excursions was Nas's song, Stay, from 2003. Do you know that song? Mm -hmm. the, gosh, how gorgeous is that song? And it's so good because of the sample that he uses from the producer No ID, right? Mm -hmm. But Q-Tip is doing that in 1981, and Nas doesn't do it really until 2003, right? Like that, that kind of song. By the way, do you know the, the story of how Nas got that sample? It's hilarious. Okay, so I think our viewers, our viewers, we should do a show. Oh, our yeah. listeners would live, appreciate live cams. So J. Cole, 2003, basically young, unknown rapper at that time. He hears the sample at the, the sort of sax sample at the heart of Stay a week and a half before Nas does but he can't afford it yet. He can't pay for it. And he doesn't know that you don't have a claim on a sample until you pay for it. Nas hears it a couple of days after J. Cole hears it and steals it from him. J. Cole comes back to No ID and is like, hey, I'm ready for that sample. Can I have it? And he's like, sorry, I already stole it to Nas. So that song should have been J. Cole's song, but Nas was old enough and mature enough and experienced enough to know that you got to grab those samples when you can. But anyway, that's my, that's my defense of Q-Tip. My real MVP is Ron Carter, the bassist, who appears Work. on exactly one song. <laughs> He's on versions of Ab from the abstract. And he gets but, a shout out and everything, and it's um yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's he's a he's unbelievable. But the it. man played with Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter in the same band. <laughs> right? And if the if the point of this album is yes, we acknowledge and we are linking back to our jazz blues roots. How, how emblematic is it of that desire or that motivation to have a man who was a direct link to one of the greatest jazz quintets in the history of modern jazz? Absolutely, absolutely. And playing really well. You know, like he sounds good. So Q-Tip as a producer. Yes, Q-Tip as a producer uh, which or I think Ron Carter, if you call sure. it. Okay, yeah, because he's only one song. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair, okay, fine. You know, Whatever. symbolically, I think also true. That's a big thing that ties together the whole album and also yeah. its place at time in 91. Yeah. So uh, mine, see, 
I'm going to go with Fife Dog because I think that he is a, a perfect balance to Q-Zip. And I think that because – I think I'm picking him because of the fact that he's not that big in the first album and because of how he – his role and his this – is, this is the album he becomes a star, right? And okay. This is, That's everybody fair. kind of knows him. And I think that this is – I think the relationship between Q-Zip and Fife Dog is so – I mean, it is quintessential. Like, you have to have that. Um, right. In, in order for this to work, their relationship has to work. Yeah. And, they, and they're the best of friends and knew each other since, like, little kids. And it wasn't like they were perfectly got along all the time, right? I mean, that, that's, like, a big reason why they broke up, too. Right. Eventually. Uh, and had their own solo careers and, and so forth. But – and you have, like, Ali Shahid Muhammad, who's, like, the chillest guy. He, he seems like – I mean – Oh, I mean, in all the interviews I've seen him, I mean, he's just kind of like, yep, okay. I'm he's the Charlie Watts of yeah, he's, a tribe He's podcast. amazing. Actually, honestly, yeah. <laughs> he oh, does. yeah, I know. I thought about it. Uh, I just throw <laughs> Charlie around anywhere. So, um, yeah, that's, that's okay, my I'll give, I'll that's give my you MVP. That. Uh, so then, Brandon, what about your, um, you know, you have any hot takes? I do have a couple hot takes. And I, I don't always have hot takes, but I thought about this one. And it's funny that I say this right after what you just said about Five Dog. I know that their work only, it only really works because of the deep love uh, and affection they have for each other. But I haven't quite fallen in love with Five Dog yet. You want to you, you help on that? If you actually care, I would read this book, know. which I brought, oh you brought, I brought a book. book. Um, it's, it's called Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes, on, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest by Hanafad Rakib, and it is a phenomenal memoir. Okay. This is like, this you is- You came loaded with evidence. I did, and this book is so good. This is, Brandon, this is as if you wrote a memoir intertwining your life with also following the Rolling Stones career. <laughs> That's was... how he writes it. That's how Adur Rakib writes it. It's, it's, a, it's a memoir, it's got some poetry in here, but also talks about him growing up, coming of age, but also with that band. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's. I always love a reconsideration. I it do. is such a fantastic memoir. Like, if you have any interest in the band, I highly recommend it. I do, um, and I, and I think that I have interest in in learning more about his artistry and, and seeing that develop over the course of their their next couple of albums. Well, I think I, that he's talented. He just he doesn't thrill me. I guess he doesn't tap into the music nerd life, my music nerd life, in the way that Q Tip does. You know, you just immediately bombed. Oh, right. To, I mean, it, yes. Well, that's immediately when I found like who, it, that he, you're you're the Q-tip on Five Dog. Not you know to to an, to an extent. If we were to put ourselves in those kinds of boxes. <laughs> sure. Yes, yes. Yes. If we took a Buzzfeed um, two quiz, options. a Buzzfeed quiz for a Tribe Called Quest members, and there were only right. two options. Yeah, I clicked. <laughs> I clicked the bowl of Fruit Loops and a kitten hanging off of a rope, and, and that I, means that I and I clicked the copy of Nietzsche. Okay. So my hot take, sort of a hot take, I guess, yeah. is that this is their best album, which okay. is not necessarily a hot take. It's not the hot take. The hot take is their second best album, I think, is the one that came out in 2016. Oh, the last was, one. Which is, we got it from here. Thank you for your service. I think that is their, I mean, people are going to, that's why it's a hot take, right? All of the, everyone's going to go wild. <laughs> yes, it is. The, 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 the call, the call, what is it, the? The, the switchboard. The switchboard is gonna not light the up. Switchboard. The mess. <laughs> this isn't it's the nineteen. It's just not live. It's just not live. <laughs> um, 
So it's it's gonna light up with all of it because I honestly think that it is so good. It does have it does feature more Buster Rhymes, FYI. But um, I think I honestly they brought more Busta because Five Dog died in the middle of production. Oh yes, yeah. and this was like they came back and made a record for the first time in what twenty years um when they came back together and it was a big deal of getting them back together i mean they were performing but they were but like, they weren't making, making new music. music um because five dog had you know diabetes that prevented him from being able to well, didn't he want to quit shows. before or after yeah. the making of the first album slash before they started recording this one yeah if you see if you see a a couple of like it was snl back in the early 90s when he was just like kind of standing there barely rapping because he couldn't, he, he had no, it. yeah. And then he yeah. missed out on the um, Dennis Miller show and right, right before he was, they were supposed to perform and they just like kind of performed without him. But Jeez. Uh, yeah, he, he eventually died from, you know, complications. Well, so to that end, not to the, the sad end of Fife Dog, uh, who I now feel worse about shitting on. Uh, not shitting on. It's, we haven't oh, gotten critiquing. there yet. This is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he seems like the younger brother. I'm like, yes, please. Now, now go sit down and I'm mm-hmm. going to talk to people who have ideas. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I know that we, we broadly define what hip hop is and we broadly define what important looks like, but I, I feel like this might be the most important hip hop of the 1990s. That's my other hot take. Ooh, More important than Nas's Illmatic, which everybody who, li- who reads Pitchfork goes back to as like the important hip-hop album of the 1900s different from wu-chang's contributions or from jay-z's emergence or even from tupac tupac or biggie Biggie. yeah yeah i think this but this predates all of them in terms of big works that are being produced their huge work this sophomore album and also they avoid the sophomore slump which is impressive because a lot of bands tank their second album hello absolutely right uh seriously the album october is trash but my point is like they did that before those other uh those other artists we just talked about were able to complete something as important or as different as this they couldn't do it without this is what i i guess i'm trying to say fantastic that's my hot take love it uh Uh, is this a listen to purchase or pass for you there david uh, it's a pass. It's not a pass. It's, it's a purchase. pass. It's a purchase. It's a I, I, I think. I think this is. I think this is because of its importance and because of its ability to be able to listen to wherever, and because of so many tracks that can be easy listening and also, kind of almost party at the same time. I think that it's definite. It's a definite purchase. It's a multi-listen. It's a return listen. It's not a mm-hmm. purchase for me. I just can't. Nope. We're, we're in Got hard it. times here, David. You oh, know? I get it. I know. That stimulus check hasn't come in yet. So Donnie T's you know. dragging his feet on the whole stimulus. Well, not. Uh, he's dragging his feet on a lot of things. Mitchie McConnell is dragging his feet on my second stimulus check, so I got to hold off on the old vinyl. It's expensive. Vinyl. $35. That's a... Oof. Yeah, I can't do it. I know. Um, all right. So we... Uh, we're, we're done now. Yeah, now I guess that. we get... Oh, okay. Wow. Whew, we did it. Um, we done did it. So... For our, do you want to take a quick break? You want to just go right into it? Well, let's just, so, let's, yeah, let's listen to it. Let's, let's tell the people what to expect. Okay, so, well, please, you know, we're getting, we're getting lots of views from all over the world, which is fantastic, a lot of listens. So, uh, all over the country, too. I mean, yeah, I guess that goes without saying. If not just our local peeps. Hey, David, can I just say, before the recording started, or what you people are hearing, 
David was doing a roll call of, of states around the great U.S. that have been listening in, and I held my breath until he said Michigan, but he did say Michigan. So, hey, Michigan, thanks for the support. We love you. Wow. It's like are, my home you, state, David. Are you campaign? I mean, is it a swing state for you? Are you com- okay, campaigning? I've just, is that- I've just watched four days of the DNC. All right. <laughs> I am ready to go <laughs> to sleep. Um, so please, uh, if you if you like us, <laughs> which we hope you do, if you're saying this long, you have to like us. Right. Please. So go to go to Apple Podcasts and. Uh, give us five stars. Maybe even write a little review. The the ones we have there. So are, don't are give gorgeous. us fewer stars than five, please. Yeah, just, just get five. Really. Um, and then I can't emphasize this enough. We want your <laughs> voicemails. We want. It's so funny. People keep sending us stuff, but like, I want that voicemail so we can feature it. It's so funny. It's only a minute long. You can't speak any longer than a minute. Just say, say like your favorite album or a concert experience you liked or hated or whatever. Or any hot takes on yeah, or, or call us out us. on some ridiculous things. Love it. You want to start a fight through it? Do it, please. It'd be so funny. And um, we also have an Instagram late to the party, nineteen eighty nine. So uh, hit us up. We're pretty good on that. Um, should we preview fun. next week's episode? I feel like we uh, should. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. This guy, uh, we're going. We're going into a place that we've never been before, and I still have not been. I've never been this place. <laughs> I've I've dipped my toe into the. I I really don't want to start using body parts. Um we we had a planning session and we, we got through what we think the next five albums would be but the next album up after this great episode will be number 995 taylor oh, swift's man. 1989 because why not i don't know <laughs> we're venturing we're venturing into a place that i don't know anything about this is this if is we the... are if we're going to lean into vulnerability and in into the unknown what better place to go than to the best example of modern pop that we could think of in the last 20 years i mean well, that, i know be... just about every song on that album i don't i, I so you say um, so, I say, yeah. so you say i haven't listened to the radio in forever so i or i guess i haven't also shopped at anthropology or no not even that uh what's american eagle or anything so I'm, I'm assuming which is basically what the soundtrack is uh so yeah i guess that's not anyway too far from true anyway should, tune in next week i'm looking forward to it i'm terrified uh it should be a hilarious a hilarious hot takes all around it's gonna be fun at the very least all right. Well, until next time. I'm Brandon. Easy. He's David. You're <laughs> taking David. it easy. We love you, folks. Bye. Use the coast in the morning to avoid the funky odor. Can't help being funky. I'm the funky abstract brother. Funky in the sense, but I play the undercover. Once had a fetish. Fetish for some booty. Now I'm getting funky in my rapping. That's my duty. Brothers tend to jock on the